Hello everyone. It's been a little while since we've had a recipe to start the episode, but after seeing a Phil Montgomery, formerly of Pennine Athletic Club and now Dark Peak, who placed fourth at this weekend's trigger, with a little bag of boiled eggs in his hand that he was waving around joyously, I thought, yes, eggs. What a remarkable food. And I thought, something I like to do with eggs, which was passed on to me by the drummer from a vegan rock band based in Bristol. And he called it Italian eggs. So what you do is you soft boil an egg for about three or four minutes, I think. Whatever it is that gives you a runny egg. I have just declared that I don't know how to boil an egg. And then when you have finished, you take the egg from the hot water, you crack it open, and you empty, I tend to use two eggs for this, the egg into a bowl. And in that bowl, you add some extra virgin olive oil. Now, it's important to know that you don't cook with extra virgin olive oil. I've spoken to chefs and they have told me that when you heat extra virgin olive oil, it takes away the goodness and um, destabilizes it. I think there's more of a scientific description of that out there, but I'm just telling you, don't waste loads of good extra virgin olive oil on cooking. However, if you want to drizzle it all over your eggs and add a bit of salt and pepper and stir it around a bit, you've got a very tasty breakfast side. So well done, Phil, and I hope you enjoy your eggs in a new fashion. A little addendum here. The vegan rock band Bert Miller and the Animal Folk, Bert has even recently started running, so it's all running focus, guys. I don't think they make all event uh, members vegans, else um, drummer Dan Truen would be failing at the first attempt there. <laughs> This is a podcast, we talk about running, we talk about other things too. So please come and join us, we hope you enjoy this. This is On The Back Foot. Well, welcome to the hugely uh, popular part of the podcast where I read through my training diary. So, let's start with the week review. 42 miles, 4,216 feet of elevation, or 1,285 metres, 6 hours, 23 minutes of running. There was some bicycling, and that was 56 miles, covering 4,997 feet in 3 hours and 51 minutes. So, maybe something's happened. We began on Monday, as you do, with a lovely run along White and Frog at Edge. I was a little bit hungry, but I enjoyed it. I just got it in before my lunch. 
then to Monsell Trail, where it was 6 shots of 45 seconds, 6 shots of 3 minutes, and I again think I was a bit dallying in the morning editing the podcast and a bit late out there. And between the first, well, the reps, the first, yeah, between the six by three minutes, I could feel a little something in my heel. Good Lord. And then I went for a nice run the day after around Chatsworth for 80 minutes. And it was lovely and I didn't feel any pains in my legs. So I thought, oh, we're all good. Life is good. And then on Thursday, I met Josh and... Bob for a run, 45 minutes of it, and there was definite discomfort in my heel. And I thought, I really don't want Achilles tendinopathy right now. I'd like to be training and living my best life. So I rang the alarm bells that afternoon and spoke to Billy, and we agreed that it was best for me to ride the bike on Friday still get a threshold session in so up and down I went frog up three lots of 10 minutes and worked hard and enjoyed it didn't have the, quite the right playlist it was a bit low um, low rev- revolution you know it wasn't too pumped but it was a good steady session and they were very even effort so I was pleased Saturday I still I was feeling it a bit more in the morning now and I'd been feeling it a bit more Friday morning so we decided to stay on the bike again but this time, after a lovely ride with the guys at Summit, who go for a ride every Saturday morning, I managed to have a mechanical fail on my bike. So not me, but my bike. Um, and it's only got one gear that works now. So for the last half an hour of the ride, I could only spin in my lowest gear. So that was a bit of a bastard. Um, but I wasn't going to let this get me down. I had Tottenham Awards night to go to. And I had the privilege of winning the Totley Lost Sheep Award for how I ended Tigger Tour last year. If you haven't seen it, um, I'll try and put a link to the YouTube. It was a wonderful bit of navigation. And it was lovely to be celebrated by my club for my excellent running achievements. I then drove that night, because I hadn't been drinking, don't condone that. Um, and I drove to Torside uh, Car Park, slept in my van, and um, made sure that I was there to support my friends Rob and Josh at the trigger in the morning. I woke a little bit late and uh, had some porridge, uh, and I was faffing a little bit, so I managed to get to the trigger po- the uh, checkpoint to see Joe. Oldfield storming through and leaping a wall like an absolute boss and then I um, saw Rob and Josh and my plan was to be giving them water at the Snakes Pass not this first one, I didn't think they wanted to carry it um, that early so uh, I was a bit gutted when Rob asked where the water was because I'd left it in the van and um, I was chatting to a couple of people and watching the race come through and headed back to the van that was about a mile away and drove to the Snakes Pass, which was very busy because of a small race called The Spine taking place. And by the time I'd managed to park up, the first six of the race had been through. So I'd managed to um, sabotage Rob Greenwood, 
and Josh Williams. Um, luckily they were prepared to drink from streams because maybe they felt I wasn't that reliable after all. But yeah, it was good, good that I made it probably, I don't know, 40 mile round trip to uh, not deliver them some water. But enough about my failures there and back to the training diary. I am... Um, I was a bit sore walking to the uh, checkpoint. It went away because Achilles do that. They're often a bit uncomfortable in the morning. But I was determined I was still going to run. So I um, I popped a little heel insert in my ex-talon and I managed to get an hour and 40 minutes in. And I was absolutely delighted because I barely felt it. Um, I'm hoping that meant that we caught this one early and... Um, that yeah, things are going to be alright. Uh, I was very impressed with everyone running the trigger. It was a gorgeous day. Uh, I had a bit of FOMO, but I'm saving myself from the trigger to run the Tigger. So if I can be good for that, I will be delighted. Uh, well done to Joe Oldfield on the course record. Rob Greenwood was absolutely fantastic. Considering I tried to sabotage him, um, I think he took an hour off this last trigger performance and Josh Williams just just doing his thing even though he had a little bit of a niggle going into the race so it was a good day all round Lisa Watson won it former guest she so does and uh, there was a couple of top leads out there completing the course as well so my other captain Sarah she managed it too now you might be thinking, Charles, why are you running if your Achilles is sore? Surely you should take a rest. Well, I don't think these things quite work that way. So I've got a little search on my hands because it did start. There'd been some little flickers of um, tight calf and a little bit of pain in the foot before it felt like it flared up at the weekend. And I've got to work out whether it's speed work that's doing it, whether it's the hills, whether it's just that I've been neglecting doing a bit of calf work um, away from my running. I'm going to try and get these things right and use the brain of Billy to help me out. And uh, I'm hoping I can be on the line for Tigger Tour. So yeah, Achilles tendinopathy. Tendinopathy is a term we use because we don't always know how much inflammation there is so it means pain in the tendon um what else can i tell you sometimes wearing heels inserts in your shoes can do a lot of good look like it helped me a little bit um and this morning i really didn't have much pain when i got out of bed actually there was barely a thing it was like am i looking for it so I'm delighted today's a rest day and I could bring you the podcast with a big smile on my face and I'm not out of the woods by any means but um, yeah let's see how we can work around this one I'm going to actually think back to my experience at football because I think footballers sometimes have a bit of a reputation as being sort of soft because you know rugby players are big hard men aren't they but um, or women but footballers get a bit of a um, bit of a bad cred, and we used to hear quite a lot of the older players saying, "You never play fully fit," and 
I would love to run fully fit all the time, but at the same time, life gets in the way sometimes and injuries happen by accident. So I really don't want to have to train like through this one. I did a little presentation on Friday about what a physio can do, and I like the phrase that you don't run through an injury, you run with it. Um, it's a nice little, uh, what's the word? I think people... It's a bit of a lovely term, isn't it, I guess? But, yeah, I like to think you've got to be in tune with your body and try, try and run with it rather than against it. So, if I have to carry on this year with a bit of a, a moan and groan from a sensitive tendon, then so be it. It's all part of the journey, isn't it? That's probably enough on my little uh, niggle there. But I wondered if it might be educational... These are my views, not the views of the physiotherapy world. Um, though a lot of it is similar to stuff that they say. So. Not reinventing the wheel either. So from me, to fell running news. What I would also say is if you do have an injury that's concerning you, it's always best to, to get it assessed by someone who's a professional. Obviously, as a physio myself, I can dick about with my body and it's up to me um i think yeah i wouldn't like people to listen to something on this podcast and go oh well charlie said it's all right to do this um without getting it checked out so i'm talking about myself for myself here but obviously it might be of interest rather than this is a uh, self-help injury guide So let's get started with some updates from the spine. We had a fantastic uh, overview of it from Rob last week. And I've now actually got a man out there photographizing, photographing every move that they make. And um, you might even know him. It was very nice of Jamie to drop in with a little line from the spine. Hello, my name is Jamie Rutherford. You might remember me from podcast episodes such as Lost Keys and Morning Movements, Kim Collison or Solo Baker. It's interesting I should mention Kim Collison because I'm actually out on the spine right now doing some uh, photography for the spine media team, uh, which gives me quite a unique position to uh, kind of see what's going on in the race and interact with the runners. Um, so far, it's been really exciting. The front of the men's race is really impressive they all tore out of Edel so quickly really big uh, really big group you might have seen some pictures a bunch of about 10 of them heading over Snake Pass it has it has dwindled a little bit um, and as, as we speak I think the leading men are Kim Collison Damien Hall and Conrad Rawlick um, who have all left Checkpoint 2 at Hawes this morning um, there's been some dropouts John Kelly, unfortunately, he's pulled out. Simon Roberts, Pavel, um, lots of other runners throughout the field for various reasons. It's been really cold, which is good for running um, in as much as it's not so boggy uh, and it's quite hard underneath, so it's all quite quick, which probably explains some of the fast times that we're seeing so far. But it is, it's really hard in terms of just exposure. So last night, the first big night, most people leaving halls, heading towards... Gargrave, Malham overnight. It's been really cold, causing quite a lot of breathing difficulties this morning. We've met a lot of runners who are struggling with coughs, 
um, just general kind of yeah airway problems all getting frozen bottles this morning um, Rachel and I um, got up about seven then we hiked up to the top of Malham Cove to take some pictures and even just in that point you know even as the sun's coming up our, our water bottles froze and kind of slushed over so yeah pretty chilly for everybody um, so so far I think it's been fun for the runners everyone's saying wow the conditions are beautiful it's really great being out in the sun being out in the countryside but it's also been tough it's a tough race I think whatever the conditions are so there's never such thing as a a good weather system it always brings its own unique challenges and yeah once again we're seeing that you know the spine is a tough race and deserving of the title of Britain's most brutal thank you Jamie um great bit of coverage there uh, you can follow Jamie Rutherford on Instagram. He is JM Rutherford4D um, rather than you know, Rutherford. It's like Greg, uh, the long jumper. Um, so, yeah, you can follow Jamie on Instagram because it was well worth it today. He was uh, contradicting himself because he'd managed to find quite a big bog, actually, and lost his welly in it. And Rachel, his partner, who... Well, fiance, I should say, who is just one of the nicest people around, was laughing at Jamie, who was foot in the bog, and that made my day because I love it when really nice people have a uh, a laugh at someone else's fortune. I didn't realise Rachel could do that. He does actually take some really good photos too, and it's not a bad place to get a bit of spine coverage if you're interested. Hello, this is Jamie Rutherford with a small story from the spine race. Just met a lovely chap called Grant, and Grant's got a very magnificent beard. Grant said he's been growing the beard since 2016, ever since he saw the spine race first happen. Um, after that, he decided he was going to walk the length of the Penang Way himself, but then actually wanted to enter the spine race, and it's taken him up until now to do so. He decided that he wouldn't cut his beard until he'd actually completed the spine race himself, so he's hoping that he can get the job done today, or not today, it's going to take a few more days, but get the race finished this year so that beard can finally come off. He has been trimming it, so it's not touching his feet, but you know, pretty good. And he said to me, I'm not sponsored by Giant. Lovely stuff, and uh, yeah, I found another roaming reporter who likes opening packets of crisps. Speaking of which, I had an update from the North East recently. Hi Charlie, Andy Blackett here from Durham Fellrunners. I have just got back from a recce of a new race which I'm organising, which is called Mickle Fell. It's on Saturday the 25th of May this year. Uh, it's a 10 o'clock start and it goes starts from Cowgreen Reservoir in County Durham. Um, yeah, I may be biased, but I think it's a pretty special little race. And I think it's really a tough route. I think it's an amazing adventurous and remote course. And I think it's something that all your listeners should think about entering. Um, to talk you through a little bit of the route, it starts along a section of the Pennine Way from Cowgreen Reservoir Car Park down past Cauldron Snout Waterfall. Then it leaves the Pennine Way, crosses a bit of rough ground for a couple of kilometres before the first crossing of the River Tees. Um, it's a pretty wide point in the river. It's about 20 metres wide. 
and it's about knee to waist deep the river um, so it's a pretty significant river crossing and uh, will feel certainly quite adventurous when you're halfway across uh, that river um, then we cross into what's probably the highlight of the race which is a sort of grand tour of Micklefell which is in the middle of a MOD firing range so there's no public access other on specified days of the year and um, it goes right the way up to the highest point in County Durham. Um, on the climb up to Micklefell again it's some rough terrain there's a bit of classic North Pennine bog and um, when you get up there it just feels like you're in the middle of nowhere you can see pretty much no sign of human um, habitation on the horizon on the landscape you see no roads it feels like you're in the middle of the highlands of scotland um, there's a beautiful run at that point along the summit uh, summit ridge of mickle fell uh, before it descends right off the back down the far side and again it feels like you're in a really wild and remote part it, it's a beautiful area um, after that there is um, a section which follows a little river system so fairly easy navigation following a river system on some pathless terrain before a steep climb back to the top of Mickle Fell um, before a steep and rough descent but all fairly good soft ground and runnable back to the same river crossing point that you came along before. Crossing the river again there back up to the Pennine Way and along the Pennine Way to finish back where you started at Cow Green Reservoir. All in, it's a little bit under 30 kilometers, about 28 kilometers, and a shade under a thousand meters of ascent. Um, so it's a BL race. Um, I think it's gonna be an absolutely belting day out. My only sadness about the route, um, as a race organizer, I can't run it. But I do hope that a lot of your listeners do decide to have a look at the route which is up on the Durham Fellrunners website if you go to durhamfellrunners.org navigate to fixtures and there's a button there to enter via SI entries so you can also find the details on SI entries if you uh, go for, and you can have a pre-entry there for just £10 for FRA members incredible value for a 28 kilometer race I think you'll agree and um, I hope to see a lot of you there again Saturday the 25th of May. Fantastic. Hopefully see some of you there. Bye-bye. Thank you for that one, Andy. Well, he certainly knows how to put a race together, that man, doesn't he? And um, as I've been editing that, back to the spine, because I don't know if you remember Richard Bulmer, the spinaholic, but he's only gone and finished the Spine Challenger South as I'm recording this. It just took him a mild 52 hours and 54 minutes um, to travel all the way from Edale to Hawes. And I'm sure we'll hear from him later on, either this week or next. See if he can get me something in. But that is a truly impressive, tough performance in some very cold weather. Also, as I record this, uh, last week's guest Jenny Stevens made it to Cowling after 22 hours and 8 minutes of racing. 
so we will be getting an update of her reaching her next uh, checkpoint later um, Kim Collison by checkpoints seems to be leading the race and he has even been on the podcast too as Jamie was very good at pulling a few strings there back in season one and I'm also following Richard Curtis because um, I thought the guy that made love actually I'd be very interested to see how he got on the spine now whether that is him or not um, I always think it's nice to uh, find interesting names in race results so Richard Curtis is my pick um, yet yeah, be lovely if he could convince Hugh Grant to do the spine that is that is a film that I would watch um, so yeah good luck to Richard I did click on it does look like he's an American chap but wouldn't it be lovely if uh, he had a great race good luck so last week I did these in my lunch break and this week I'm doing them just after being given a sports massage by none other than Charlie Baker. Uh, so again, usual caveats about factual inaccuracy and missing people out. First up anyway is the SOB, which takes place on the fells near Keswick where the relays were last year. Uh, I don't actually know what SOB stands for because I'm based in the Peak District and I sort of feel like it adds to the mystique by uh, not knowing. Uh, so maybe it's son of a bitch, maybe it's something different. But anyway, in first place was Tim Lamont in a time of 36 minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, Tim is actually none other than Charlie's hot tip for the 2024 FRA English champs. Tim, if you're listening to this, you're the boy. Uh, next up was Ben Sharrock in second and Gavin Dale in third. Uh, friend of the pod, Chris Albra, came in in ninth, and he had some fascinating things to say about his own performance and accountability. Hi, Charlie. Um, yeah, so as I was saying, not very happy with my performance on Saturday at SOB. Um, I did all right, but yeah, not as well as I did at Cloughhead. And um, you mentioned accountability in your previous episodes, and I just think my three-year-old son is got to take responsibility for my performance um because he didn't need to be awake half the night um his mum was on a night shift so he had me cornered um and from about one until about half four every 10 or 20 minutes shouting out telling me about the dreams he was having telling him me about the dreams his teddies were having um and i even told him more than once i've got a fell race in the morning i you know i can't run very well if i'm knackered but um that didn't seem to sink in and um yeah so i felt a bit groggy on saturday and yeah basically it's all his fault in the women's race eve pannoni finished in 42 minutes and 24 seconds with a three minute lead this bodes pretty well for her i reckon throughout 2024 she's had a strong year last year and i've no doubt that this year will be even better Next up was Holly Wooten, and in third, Alison O'Neill. Next up is Scout Scar. For any of you who haven't done this race before, it's not sort of, I guess, prime Lake District Central, at least as far as the sort of fells are concerned, but it is on a lovely edge just up above Kendall. And 
is a real blessing if you happen to be based around there. Well worth doing otherwise. Anyway, rambling aside, it's a classic five or so miles. It's pretty fast. It's got a sort of almost cross-country vibe but with a bit of rough stuff thrown into the mix as well. And in first was Lizzie Allison. In second, Rhiannon Douglas. And in third, Imogen Burrow. And then next up in the men's, Matthew Knowles, Sam Burnstone and Rupert Allison. Oh, and it was a good day for the Allisons. There's a lot of Allisons there. They're different clubs, though. Hang on. Rupert Allison's Dark Peak and Rhiannon... And... Oh, hang on. I don't Josh, know what, I'm what about. is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Tim, if you are listening, I'm not putting pressure on saying you're going to win the whole thing. I, uh, I can just see you maybe doing a bit of podium bothering this year. So for Munchie on the Moors, we've got something a little bit special for you. I mean, I considered whether I should just do a whole bonus episode and just put this out, but I like to make you people suffer and and wait till the end of the podcast before I bring you... Well, I'll let him do the intro. All I would say is sit back, pour yourself a hot drink or a stronger drink, and enjoy. Chaser, how Ketchup and I've packed my lunchbox. What's in yours? Tell me what you like. I don't like when you're munching on the moors. Here we are. It's the listener-contributor-collaboration crossover that nobody asked for, but everyone's going to get. It's a race report, a discussion of the YHA Youth Host Association Borrowdale, King of the Castle, fell race. A unique little race that we'll get onto shortly with BGS and the main man himself, Jakob Tonkin, Tonk to friends and presumably to foes. Uh, my first question to you, Tonk, is Is it true that your ancestors were uh, hewn from the rock of the uh, Lakeland crags, much like uh, the Urukai and all of the rings, sort of being dragged from the mud to uh, make Saruman's army, because that's what I heard. Host Fettel, BGS. Thank you for inviting me into this delightful collab. Um, it is true. My family were not only spawned like Lord of the Rings, uh, Urukai, in the, uh, in the rock of the Lake District, um, but my mum actually does look a little bit like Lurtz, actually, if Lord of the Rings as well. Uh, she'd probably kill me for saying that. But uh, she was actually um, spawned. I'm saying spawned and I'm talking about my mum a lot. It's getting a little bit weird. Um, anyway, she, uh, she she grew up in that very hostel. So in Longthwaite Youth oh. Hostel. Um, and my auntie's, one of my aunties still lives in Rosswick now. So when I was doing my warm-up for it, I uh, had a nice little trot round to her house for a cup of tea and a custard cream, which my uncle at the moment is doing a competition, well not competition, a study I should say, in that he's trying to find where makes the best custard cream. So my question to you, BGS, is what is your favourite biscuit? And a little add on to that question is, when, when you buy your biscuits, where would you always try and buy biscuits from? I will follow that up with a couple of serious questions about how you raced in, you know, you, you shot off away from me. Uh, 
I could see you for a bit, but I thought, oh, there's no way in hell I'm catching you. Because I was a little bit tired, and my ready-made excuse was the fact that I had, in the morning, prior to that race, me and the beast, young Hector Robert Tonkin, who I'm stroking here, um, we'd been and won the Canny Cross up in Winletter that morning, so we were, I was, a little bit tired. And I couldn't keep up with you and your road shoes on. Well, I mean, I will contact your parents um, to find out the date of your funeral. Um, it's been nice knowing you, but after that comment about your mother, I think she will probably chop your head off, much as Lurtz did to Aragon. Um, is that what happened? I think that's what happened. Well, he shot him with some arrows, didn't he? And I think I think he chopped his head off then. Anyhow, uh, don't don't think you can throw in a little jibe about road shoes as if I'm some sort of road runner. Those shoes, those shoes I was wearing were flat as a pancake. There's no carbon in there. And I know what you were wearing and all. You were wearing road shoes. And maybe I should explain to people why we were because uh, it's an odd little race, that one. So the youth hostel that we've been talking about, it's in Borrowdale in the North Lakes. And uh, I think this is the 10th year they've done it. And um, it was set up by uh, the manager or someone who worked there, I think. You'll probably know this better than me. But anyhow, the route goes basically flat along the river and then straight up Castle Crag, uh, which is a short climb, and then it finishes there. In the recent episode, they've had spine... People took on talking about the spine, which is like 200-odd miles. I think this is, this is less than two. It's very short. And it's interesting because not only is it uphill only, it's uh, a time trial. So everyone starts with their hand on the bar... And they're set off intervals. I think they used to do five-second intervals, and that got a bit spicy, so they've gone to 20 seconds now. Um, it's the second time I've done this race, not for a few years. But anyhow, yeah, so you hand on the bar, you set off, you're out the door, you're along the flat bit, hence fast shoes. It's all quite hard ground, especially because it was pretty cold and frozen the other day. And then you're up the hill. Um and uh, I was gonna I was gonna come on to talk about your kind of cross win, your victory. Your um your your prize winning uh, dog walk dog walking sorry uh, can across, but um you sort of you've jumped the gun there I mean you can uh, you can tell us more about that, but to respond directly to your biscuit question, uh, custard creams are good I admire your uncle's project. What came to mind I mean I never buy them because you have to basically remortgage your house to get them but Biscoff the Lotus Biscoff biscuits. They are banging. Um, my sister makes a really good Biscoff cheesecake. That is delicious. But you have too much of that, you will be ill. Uh, and I feel like it's a trick question, where, where am I supposed to be buying biscuits from? I feel like it's some sort of Cumbrian shop that you want me to to pitch here. But I don't know, Morrison's? Where do you buy biscuits? Uh, yeah, go on. So tell us about Kenny Cross and your doggo friend, and then maybe also uh, talk us through your experience of the race and uh, how your time compared to previous times. How many times have you done it? What's the crack? Aye, so the manager who set it up was called Chris Edis, who runs Keswick. And Chris uh, was he's a really good runner. Uh, he's run the Dale Head race a couple of times. And it is three quarters of a mile flat along the river then three got a mile up so you've got to go out hard but if you go too hard at the start then you know you're buggered by the time you start climbing up again um but no it's a, it's a great race that i absolutely love it we um 
you know, those Keswick lot will always be in attendance to go and to go and do it. Um, and it's my fifth time, I think I've I did it. I've done it now. Um, my fastest time was last year, but I've never actually properly gone and done it rested or feeling fresh. So there's one year me and my mate decided that we would do three races that weekend. Um, so we went and ran Keswick Park Run and like put a decent lick into it on the Saturday. And then the Sunday morning we went to the North Lakes Half Marathon and then we drove back from Lawton like along Buttermere up over Honister and then got to the hostel just in time for the King of the Castle race. So that was my slowest time, I think. I did like 15 minutes, I think. Uh, but I had just done a half marathon um, uh, like an hour and a half beforehand. The fastest I've done it, I think, is 13.40 or something. Um, and then this year I did 14.29 or 27 or something. Um, but I did. I felt tired because of the Canny Cross. But the, I mean, Canny Cross is awesome. Um, it's something I've really got really big into from last year. Uh, my dog Hector absolutely loves it, and he just wants to go and just run as fast as he can. And a lot of people, and I, I agree to an extent. A lot of people say it's cheating because you're being pulled along by a dog. Um, but it's not like you are on a bike where you can free wheel. You know, if you if you want to go fast, you still have to move your legs over that fast. Um, and I am yet to discover doms like you get from uh, Canny Cross Race, because especially the ones around Windlighter where you've got quite a significant climb and significant descent, you're not only running down, you know, spanking it down hard, compact, um, sort of like fire road trail-y thing, things in, in Windlighter, but you're also then getting pulled by a dog at the same time so the force that you're actually generating is so much more um but yeah we've we've become a pretty formidable team me and hector robert and we our team is thilmere thunder because we live at thilmere um and hector's sort of stage name when he races is just the beast so as we run along i'm like come on beast let's go and i'm like psyching him up i'm like all oh, these other dogs are laughing at you they're all saying that Hector Robert can't do this, but you're not going to be Hector Robert. You're going to be the beast. But yeah, we take it far too seriously. Um, but I would, I'm very interested to explore the possibilities of me and Hector going to compete in some of the British races. But they're all way down south and there's no climb and they're all flat. And Hector would be the only border collie. I think the rest of them are all Vizslas or German shorthead pointers and whatnot. Um, yeah. Aragorn chops Lurtz's head off in it. My mum could also actually pass for Vigo Mortensen. Um, she's got the hair for like Vigo Mortensen. I'm being really harsh to my mum. I loved her bits. She's fantastic. Um, she did have a big thing, a bit of infatuation about Aragorn, though, so maybe she'll be happy about that. If she's listening to this, I do apologise, mum. And it was Lurtz shot Sean Bean, who was boring me three times and was just about to go for the fourth, then Aragorn intervenes and then chops his head off. Um, I am a big, big fantasy um, fan, which uh, Billy Cartwright will um, back me up on that. Um, yeah, so the biscuit thing. No, the the, the biscuit thing. I was I was only asking because I'm not no I wasn't sure what supermercados you have around you. Uh, in town, we're pretty much limited to co-op or booths. Uh, booths, you do need a a bank loan to buy even a pack of digestive biscuits. Um, during lockdown, actually, we 
when we were doing, you know, the world consisted of doing Zoom quizzes and whatnot. Um, I compared the price of norm of things in Aldi to the price of booths, and at the time you couldn't buy a, a thing of Heinz ketchup, you know, squirty bottle. Um, so one of the the questions was, what is the price difference between the ketchup, the cheapest ketchup you can buy in Aldi, and the cheapest ketchup you can buy in booths? And at the time, the only ketchup you could buy in booths was this thirty-five pound, three jars of it, it came in a pack as a one-er. Um, I think it was from the Hawkshead, like sauce company lot, um, as opposed to Aldi's own brand, ninety-nine pence or whatever it was. So it was like thirty-four pound difference in prices. So yeah, I'm always intrigued where people buy simple things like biscuits from. I didn't actually properly have a crack with you at the end of the race, though, so I don't actually know how you properly got on. I've seen the results, and you were like significantly far uh, further ahead of me. I heard that you maybe overtook someone. I got overtaken once, and then I think there was a bit of a gap between me and the next person. So obviously, with it, for anyone who doesn't who, who doesn't know, with the 20 second interval, you kind of want to over you want to catch someone because if you catch them, then you have beaten them. And you don't want to get overtaken because if you get overtaken and someone carries on putting a distance into you, you are just losing a lot of time. Um, so I think I was sixth there last year, actually, and I was 14th this year, um, which I, you know, I was quite happy about. I am destroyed today, though. I had a loud run yesterday and today, and uh, my legs are so bloody sore. But uh, yeah, tell me how how you got on. Well. I am embarrassed with my Lord of the Rings faux pas. Uh, I could I could tell you that I knew that, but you might not believe me. I mean, I probably be, have been disowned by my dad for that a Lord of the Rings family, I dare say. Um, but it does it does make me think of a good question for you. No, question number one: Which Hobbit would be the best fell runner? I'm immediately thinking of Frodo because there's that scene outside the gates of Mordor when. Uh, Sam falls sort of down the scree and Frodo like runs down to cover him with a cloak and it, the way he sort of tackles that scree with his big hobbit feet I just I could just see him in Borrowdale Fellrace coming off Scoffle Pike and uh, down that down that scree it'd be it'd be absolutely going for it there um <laughs> Booths yeah it's a little <laughs> now and again is booths it's a it is a pricey business i think what you're thinking of there is hawks and relish is the company down from the south lakes that's my neck of the woods down there hawks and um westmoreland chutney is the one if you're going to get hawks and relish it's uh if you're gonna have like a cheese sandwich i can definitely recommend the westmoreland chutney um can across i don't know anything about it so it's kind of interesting to me but uh, you described it well. I'd, I'd, I wonder, is there uh, like a Canicross fell race? Because uh, you said about some flat races down south, and obviously Winlat's got some ups and downs, but there's lots of dogs that are quite happy on the fell. I'm, I'm sure your lad is the same. So if that doesn't exist, surely that has got your name written all over it to organise. Um, and what was the other question? Oh, yeah, what, why Hector Robert? I mean, there's definitely, there's got to be a story there. Who was, I'm assuming he's named after somebody. Who's Hector Robert? Uh, and then, yeah, on the race, on King Castle, back to <laughs> the race report we're supposed to be on. Um, I was happy with my, I was happy with my run. I did get past somebody, yeah. T- to be fair, I did kind of 
push him to he wanted to go behind me I was like no no you go first uh I didn't know how fast he'd be but I thought oh maybe maybe someone I can catch like you say uh if you can get past somebody with 20 second gap then you know you're doing all right um and uh I finished I think it was about 12 and a half minutes I definitely know that it was about a minute and a half quicker than the last time I did it five years ago and I'd say that's that's pretty good progression for five years so I was definitely happy with that and the better thing I guess was when you look at the times I was there was like a 30 seconds ahead of me and 30 seconds behind me so because it's time trial you don't know really how you're doing uh, unless you're looking at your watch or whatever compared to other people especially you don't know so if you look finished and you think I was like a two second gap to someone ahead of you you think well bloody hell if it was my start race I might have got them but uh as it was there was no way I was going to be 30 seconds quicker, so I didn't have that problem. Um, but I guess we should mention uh, Harry Bolton was the winner. Fantastic runner, obviously, known to most, if not all, fellow runners, I would say, for his um, wins and performances. And um, Jake, Jake Collier, is it? Jacob Collier was second, uh, who I don't really know, uh, but that's probably my fault. Um, so maybe you can tell us, give us the scoop on uh what his deal is uh and his prospects for the coming year and then third was Gavin Dale, Ambleside, another great runner. Um and then yeah, the rest of us after a bit of a gap. I think there was about three seconds in the first to second place. So that's one where you think, oh mass start, maybe you would have gotten him, you know, uh if you can see them right there. But then again, maybe Harry would have felt him behind and sped up a bit. So we don't know. But um yeah, great race, and I hope it's not five years till I do it again. Uh, but there's a few questions in there for you to get to, and then maybe uh, <laughs> we should wrap this up so it's not too long. I'm not a massive Frodo Baggins fan, um, but he probably would make the best runner because it's the only one we see him running on numerous occasions. He does do that scree, and he also runs along that jetty at Buckleberry Ferry when he's going away from the uh, the ringwraith to lap onto the Lyle raft with Merry and Pippin, so I, I was impressed. Probably a good all-rounder, really. Um, Samwise Gamgee is more your man who is going to support you, Bon Graham, and carry all your stuff for you, you know, really. Hand you some Lambus bread when you get hungry. But yeah, can he cross your dogs with a harness on and you wear a weird sort of climbing-slash-sex harness that they're connected to? And the idea is they help to pull you along as you run him. So I do it with my dog, Hector Robert, to give him his full name. Um, long story as to why I name my dogs the way I name them. Um, but Hector is named after my nana, who uh, wasn't surprisingly called Hector. But I never ever heard my nana swear. And instead of swearing, she used to go, Oh, Hecky Bobs. His ears just pricked up when I said that. So he's Hecky Bobs, real name, Hector Robert, which gets short to Hecky Bobs. Harry Bolton is the most nicknamed bloke in Felrenim. Um, Obviously, real name, Harry Bolton. Gets called Barry Holton a lot. Um, we have another nickname for him, Quan Bolty. Uh, he's vegetarian, and he was once seen eating a Bolty. Um, the one I came up with, which I was particularly proud of, actually, was at the FRA dinner, um, where we all... Uh, I've called Harry Lego Hair for quite a while because his hair never changes. Like Harry Bolton has got the ability to step out of a shower, or step into a shower, then out again, completely wet his hair, and it will look exactly the same as when it's bone dry. So Lego hair, 
which then progressed into Lee Gohair, as in his first name was Lee and his second name was hyphened Gohair, um, which we had a good drunken laugh about. But yeah, Jake Collier is most probably Keswick Athletic School's most handsome man. Like, he is drop-dead gorgeous. Um, the man just oozes sex appeal everywhere he goes. Um, and I remind him this every time I see him. And I'm, I'm like, you are, you get more gorgeous every time I see you. Um, so, yeah, Jake's very, very good uphill runner. Um, you know, both Harry and Jake, you know, very, very good uphill runners. Um, me being a descender, I would back myself to beat both in a, in a descent. So I would never beat them at King of the Castle, but if it's the other way around, then them two better watch out. I remember the first race that I ever seen Jake at was the uh, Cloughhead race when it was just after lockdown and Jake rocked up with a pair of Solomon S-Lab Pulsars, the, the non-soft ground ones, the tiny little lugs. And he flew up the climb, he was really high up, and then I came charging past him. And I can just remember thinking, that guy's got stupid shoes on for this race. And I went past him. And then it wasn't a couple of weeks later, he came to see me at work. And I said, oh, you were at Cliff Edward? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I was. I said, ah. Oh. And he asked how I got on. I said, oh, well, I came past you because you were wearing stupid shoes. Um, so that was my first memory of, of the gorgeous, beautiful man that is Jake Collier. <laughs> well, <laughs> you didn't disappoint with that one. Uh, I, I can't believe we've got this far with Munching on the Moors on the podcast without a mention of Lemba Spread, but you've got it in there now. Well done for that. And uh, Hecky Bobs, I mean, that's better than I was expecting, that that uh, reason. Uh, I once heard there was like a, there was an American podcast and two kids were telling the story of how they named their dog Pasta Batman because one of them wanted to call it Pasta because he liked Pasta. The other one wanted to call it Batman because he liked Batman. And they argued about it for so long, their mum was like, fine, that's enough. It's past the Batman. Uh, but, I mean, Hector Robert beats that for me. Quan um, <laughs> Bolte and Lee Gohair. There's some, there's some good work there. That's some good, solid work. And I can confirm that Jake Collier is, he is a good-looking fella. It puts us to shame, really. Um, but you have got me a bit worried now because I am not a descender, that's for sure. Um so I'm waiting for the day that you're going to come absolutely steaming past me, um, much like Jack Air likes to do on a descent uh, and make me look bad. But uh, I do think one of the things the Lakes is missing is a, a really good downhill-only fellow race. Uh, and I'm very happy to organise that so that I don't have to run it myself. Um, so I hope that if I ever get around to that, you'll be there looking to take some prizes off the likes of Mr Collier. Um and I think that's it. Uh, it would be remiss of me, I should just mention uh, the first lady at the race was Betty Bergstrand, who I don't know, but she ran well. Um, and uh, before I sign off, the final question that I'd like you to answer as you sign off is uh, where should people go if they're in Keswick and they want some uh, sports therapy, some sports massage? Uh, I wonder if you know anybody who could do that for them. Uh, that's all for me. Cheers, Tom. Bye now. Oh, I 100% am a descender, mate. Um, I'd love to go down and do the Trifan downhill dash race, whatever they call it. That'll be my cup of tea. Uh, Betty Bergstrand, I met her for the first time at the weekend. She completes another potential 
future power couple because um, she goes out with Keswick's most handsome man, Jake Collier. I do love to see when couples go to races and they both win. You know, there's, there's Billy and uh, Nicola, Nicola, Nicola Jackson. I've been at races where Mark and Sophie Lankman have both won. So, yeah, let's see what, what gorgeous Jake Collier and his fair maiden can do. Um, yeah, if you are in Keswick and you're walking down the street and you think, oh, my right calf's just twinged a little bit. There is a bloke down the bottom end of town working out of his mother's beauty salon who could probably touch that for you and could probably help you. His name is none other than Jacob Daniel Tonkin. Do need to book though, I don't really take walk-ins. But thank you for allowing me a little uh, moment to plug my services upon this fine podcast. Uh, if that's all, then I wish you all the best. Enjoy the nice sunny weather whilst it lasts. Kind regards, Jacob Tonkin and future British canyon race champion, Hector Robert Tonkin. Send him it, mate. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, first of all, thank you, Bobby, because he did a remarkable job editing that. Um, put it all together. Lovely stuff. And if I had a personal highlight, it was the thought of Sam Gamgee supporting someone on their Bob Graham. Well, I guess Jamie can say goodbye for us. So whoever you are, wherever you are, thanks for listening and we look forward to giving you an update very soon. Love you, Charlie. Bye. Hi Charlie, I'm reporting from the finish line of the Spine Winter Challenger South, um, I, which I've successfully completed at the back of the pack in 51 hours, um, finishing the 108 mile course. Um, a few highlights from the course, the first bit from Edale to Hebden Bridge was full of the the fantastic bogs um losing my trainer at one point and having to having to dig it out um over on bleak law um the second day it was absolutely baltic um went into the night over fountains fell and penny ghent and it, the wind chill i think was said to be minus 17 degrees my water bottles froze solid um we came down from penny ghent and absolutely knackered um, at about 2am, I think I'd had two hours sleep um, leading up to that on my second night of the race. Um, so the public toilets just looked too inviting. So it was out with my sleeping bag, out with my bivvy and out with my sleeping mat. Um, so settled down to have some, some much needed kip, went straight off to sleep, only to be woken up um, as somebody came into the toilet um, and to be... Um, starstruck as it was Damien Hall who was overtaking the Spine Challenger races and the full Spine event. Um, Damien made full use of the toilet in quite noisy fashion um, before departing with a cheery hello and on his way to be leading the race. 
Um, so that's me reporting from the Winter Challenger South. Cheers, Charlie. Well done, Richard, and thank you so much for this little extra. Well, if Damien Hall in Noisy Shit Shocker isn't a felony news headline worthy of this podcast, then I don't know what is. <laughs>